today we're going to go in a little different direction, so hang with me. But here's the premise, okay? We all know that God is real and that he likes to have relationship with us. A lot of times we can keep that into a, uh, a simple level, just kind of like read your Bible, write down a couple prayers type of level. But there's a deeper place in the spirit realm that we can go. And so today we want to try to um, talk about that a little bit. So I want to say buckle your seatbelt. Um, if you're still not sure if God talks to you, today might be a little challenging. And uh, for that, we just say we're, we kind of apologize. Um, but just have grace with us and bear with us. And just, you know, later on down, maybe if, if it's too much today, on down the future, ask the Lord to bring it up again and maybe consider it at that point. Does that make sense? So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about it. Um, so without further ado, Mr. McCoby Donaldson, y'all give it up. Thank you. All of what he said just makes me like a lot more excited. So I don't know if that's good or bad. All right, I'm going to be 15 minutes. Period. So if I go over 15 minutes, just start walking out. Okay. Well, I'll come back when Grant starts to preach, but, you know. Right. There you go. Okay. So we've been talking, like Grant said, about spending time with the Lord. Um, a lot of in the, like, the physical realm. What does that look like? Reading your Bible, worshiping, things like that. Today, like you said, we're going to take one step further into our conversation. Just the next natural step, which is spending time with God in His natural element, which is the spirit realm, which is the more real element than what we are what we see here on earth and the bible is full of spirit realm encounters um all kinds of stuff dreams visions paul you know having these crazy encounters going to the third heaven things like that it's in the bible there's nothing we can say about that um there's nothing you can throw at me it's in the bible you know what i'm saying so i went on a journey probably um maybe like a year and a half ago or two years ago was how it wasn't how to get into the spirit, but it was how to get into the presence of God. And what I found was a lot of times whenever we get into the presence of God, it's like sometimes we're, we're invited. Sometimes, we, you know, we want to invite him into our, into the, we want to see his manifest presence in the physical realm. But sometimes instead of doing that, he invites us into the spiritual realm. But it's kind of that you, you take the same road and it's like he decides what happens kind of thing. Is what, I, in my experience, it's like I don't say, okay, I'm going to go into the spirit or okay, I'm going to have God come here. It's like, no, I don't get to decide, really. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite, I'm going to go into God's presence, and maybe he's going to come into my atmosphere. Maybe I'm going to go into his, you know, and that's the exciting part. It's, he is the best tour guide. Don't ever, don't ever try to do it by yourself. Don't ever try to do it without Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They are so good, and they want incredible adventures, and uh, I'm hungry for those. I know you guys are too, so so I went on this journey of how, how can I get into the presence of God? How, does the, how do those start? How do those encounters happen? You have to be chosen, born under the star of David. How do those happen? And, and I, I came up with three main points. The Bible, there's a lot of verses about a lot of different things. But there's three things that stuck out to me that I wrote down. And this is like, uh, like a year and a half ago, a year ago, something like that. Um, and there's three things. I'm going to share those three things with you. And this is like the most biblical, founded, non- mystical way to get into the presence of God that I could possibly find in the Word. And I think that it's probably going to be, for us all, I think it's the most, you know, I don't think it's a me thing. I think it's a general biblical thing. So the first thing, uh, Jonathan, do we have those verses? No? Okay, that's all right. I'll read them. Okay, um, the first thing 
I found the most significant thing about getting into the presence of God is waiting and being still, which is the hardest. You know, just so you know. Waiting and being still. In, in Psalms 27, it says, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be strong. Take courage. Let your heart take courage. Wait on the Lord. So David is saying, I, I think that I can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, whether he's talking about the physical manifest presence of God, which I think he is, or, you know, the manifestation of God's goodness, meaning, you know, success, wealth, whatever it is. But the, the principle will stay the same either way. He believes he will see the goodness of the Lord. He believed he would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living here on earth. And then he proceeds to tell himself, wait on the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait on the Lord. And I think he's kind of like double, kind of sandwiching that together because the waiting is so important. And there are many verses, like I said, that talk about waiting on the Lord. The Bible also says, be still and know that I am God. Sorry, I'm going really fast. Try, if I'm going too fast, I start, just tell me. Be still and know that I am God. And if you look into the Hebrew and Greek, it, it can kind of sound like to us, be still and understand, have the right theology that I am God. You know what I mean? Like, you know, believe that I am God and be still and know that. But actually, if like you look into it, in like the Hebrew and the Greek, it's actually more similar to, knowing in the marital sense. And it's not talking about have the right theology and be still. It's talking about be still and come to experience through an intimate encounter. Like whenever Joseph and, and Mary, it's talking about he knew her not. You know, it talk, that, that's the language in the Bible for whether, they, whether a, a man and a woman had been intimate or not. Was they knew, you know, he knew her not or they knew each other not, whatever vocabulary it is. And when it says, be still and know that I'm God, it's not saying, be still and have the right theology. It's saying, be still, I'll bring you an intimate encounter that you will know that I'm God by, by reason of experience, not by, not by revelation of understanding. It's a, it's a, you know what I'm saying? Thank you. Hebrews. Okay, I, sorry, I need a couple, two people to look up two verses, which I'm not supposed to do, sorry. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Okay, let me grab that. And Sharon, we get Acts 3.19. Okay, and the second thing, the most significant, the second most significant thing I could find about getting into the presence of the Lord or inviting the presence of the Lord to you is being clean in the perjury of sin. Repentance, what? Hebrews 10.19-22. And I think this is one of my, the Acts one is probably one of my favorite verses. <coughs> you got it? Acts 3.19? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. My, my version says, come in the presence of the Lord. So he's saying, repent, turn away from your sin, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of God. And then what is Hebrews? Did you guys hear that? Everybody in the back. Basically what it is, is it's saying, Paul says, or, excuse me, not Paul, <laughs> whoever that is, says, 
because, basically this is what he says in my language, because Jesus is so good that he did all of that for us, let's, it's kind of like let's go boldly before the throne because Jesus' blood is enough and that purged our sins. I'm wearing the righteous, um, you know, the Bible says we are clothed to the righteousness of Jesus. And he, it basically says that's the reason that you get to go into the Holy of Holies, go into the presence of the Lord. It's the thing that Jesus tore, you know, whenever he died on the cross, the veil was torn. And at that point we were, we were able to go into the Holy of Holies, which was the presence of the Lord, without an animal sacrifice. And that's what, that's what they're saying right here is the perjury of sin by the blood of Jesus is what allows us to go into the presence of the Lord. And the, and the third thing I found that was the most significant way to enter into the presence of the Lord is worship, uh, really praise and thanksgiving is more accurate. Psalm 102 says, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. There's, I mean, you can, the Psalms is full of come into his presence with singing, you know, enter his chords with praise and thanksgiving. And so I had these three things. So I started doing these three things randomly, like a year and a half ago. And Grant asked me to do this message. And I, I well, actually a little bit ago, I started listening to this message Todd Bentley does about um, entering the holy, the secret place, excuse me. And he talks about the Old Testament model of getting into the presence of God, what the priests did. Oh my gosh. 1127. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, so we're going to talk about the Old Testament model. So God says, you've learned in, in general throughout Scripture how to get into the presence of God. And, and now I'm going on a journey of what was the Old Testament model. And this is, you know, layman terms what it was. So the first thing, the priests would open the inner courts for all the people to come in, the entire people. They would come into the inner courts to give praise and, and sing to the Lord and be thankful. Psalms 104, you know, enter his uh, gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. That was the first thing that happened in the ceremony of getting into the Holy of Holies. The people would all come, everybody got into the outer courts, and, and they sang and, and sang praise to God. The second thing that happened was the priests only would go into the inner courts, and this was um, a place of like the, like the cleaning place. So they would, they would cleanse themselves of sin with the bronze lavers, just like a, it's a symbolic of getting clean from sin. Uh, the, bra- the brazen altar, which was a place to sacrifice an animal to, again, be purged of your sin. And then there was a physical immersion into the molten sea, is what it's called, which was just physically, even your body getting cleaned, to go into the, physical, the manifest presence of God, the Holy of Holies. And the third one, of course, they, the, pr- the chosen priest would enter into the Holy of Holies. He would tend to the incense, and it would create a cloud, and then he would lay on his face, and he would wait for the Lord. And I was like, how can I tie these two things together, this journey and this journey? And I was like, wait. The first thing was praise and thanksgiving. The second thing was the cleansing, the perjury of sin. And the third thing was, it's the exact same model that we use today. I was like, oh, you know, that kind of makes sense. It's the exact same thing they did is a shadow of the things to come. And that's what we do today. So we, we don't have to do, like, the physical stuff of, like, sacrificing. Because, like it said in Hebrews, Jesus' blood cleansed our hearts. And we wear the righteousness of Jesus, and now we get to enter in the Holy of Holies, and that is our, and that is our inner courts. So a lot of times when we pray, you don't just automatically get into the presence of God by entering your little place that you pray in. Sometimes it's like, okay, thank you, Jesus. You're so good. I love you. Thank you. I sing praise to you. 
Then you move into, okay, God, will you forgive me my sin, forgive me my flesh. Help me to wear the righteousness of Jesus well. Help me to uh, be representation of Jesus. And then, we, and then a lot of times, and then after that, we move into the presence of God, the Holy of Holies. We're not moving into different locations, but it's like in our spirits, we're moving from one place to the next. It's like we're taking a step closer to God each time we pass through one of those gates. Does that make sense? So the thing in the Old Testament was a shadow of still what we do today in the New Testament. <coughs> so as I began to do these things, like a uh, year and a half ago, I began to put these things into practice, and even just recently, which I'm no expert yet, but I do have some incredible stories to tell you guys, just to get you hungry for what can happen and what does happen. I know a lot of you probably have incredible stories that would blow all of our minds. Um, I actually know several people in the room that like jaw drop, like, that happened to you? Like, you experienced that? Because God does take us into the spirit moment, and we have these incredible encounters that are literally beyond our physical mind to understand. <coughs> so, while I was pursuing this stuff, uh, one day, like, it was like a three, it was like a three-ish day period. I don't know, I don't want to say exactly, because I don't remember fully. But it was a three-day period where I, f- I physically heard footsteps behind me everywhere I went. I was freaked out. I was freaked out just as much as you might be hearing that. I was like, I, I remember having my conversation with Rachel. If I have an encounter that I don't understand, Rachel. I was like, Rachel, like, I don't know about this. I hope it's good. I, don't, I mean, I, it, I wasn't, it wasn't fear, but it, but it was like, like nervous excitement, anxiety kind of stuff. It was just like a mixture of these emotions in me. But it, it wasn't a shadow of my footsteps. It was like its own footsteps that I heard behind me. Like, I don't know if it was an angel or the Holy Spirit or whatever, if he's just making those noises. But it, after I talked to Rachel and I had peace about it, I really began to feel like, wow, God is so close to me. He's literally with me every day while I'm walking at work. He's, I, was, I, I didn't have a car at that time. I was, walking, or I was riding my bike to work every single day. And I, and I would walk to the movie theater. I think I was dating Caitlin at that time. I walked to the movie theaters to meet Caitlin for a movie. And w- going into the Warren Theater footsteps behind me, but not my own footsteps, not even like an echo of my footsteps, like an own pair of footsteps right behind me for three days. It was nuts. It was crazy. And then it went away, and it was, it was awesome. But it was a great encounter, like, wow, God, you're so close to me. You love me so much. Like, you are here with me. Truly, when you say that you are with me, you are with me. It's not like a, it's not this theological God that fills the atmosphere, fills the air, which he does, but it's like he's with, he's here with me, like literally. And that was the fruit of that encounter. It's like he's so close. I know. Okay, one time, two minutes, gotcha. Skip a couple. Let's see, one of my favorites. Okay, this one time I was sitting, waiting in the presence of the Lord. I was doing like what the Bible said. I I gave him thanks. I was uh, just giving him praise and thanks. And I was, um, and then I had moved into, you know, God, forgive me my sin, cleanse me. I just, you know, the blood of Jesus, wash me in the blood of Jesus. And then I would just sit crisscross applesauce on the floor and just wait. It's kind of like meditation, but it's just like waiting on the Lord, you know, just be still. No, I want to experience that God is real. And I physically, and I, my eyes were closed. This is when I lived with three other guys. And I physically felt a hand on my knee, and it it scared me. Like, it wasn't like I felt like a brush against my knee. It was like, Five fingers, like, hand on my knee. I was like, like, I was Chris. I was like. <sighs> and it scared me so bad. And I, and I thought Reese had, like, run in there, like, touched my knee and ran out. And I, like. 
Thank you. you. Yeah, I didn't sound far from the truth. But it was it was God. It was God or an angel. But it's just like, he's so close. I'm sitting here being with him. He didn't do it to fill me with power. I didn't feel electricity or fire. It was just like, I just love you. and I, I, It's intimacy. That's Be still and know that I'm God. It's an intimate encounter with God. And, I, and ever since then, it's like, he's so close to me. He's so near to me. When I press into him, he will really does draw near to us. When we draw near to him, he really does. And I just love those, the fruit of those encounters. Can I go over just a little bit? Okay. The last, thing on a, the last experience of mine I want to share is I, at work, I've had like probably five or six times this has happened, and I would just be at work, and a lot of times after I do my work at work, I just try to avoid people so I can spend time with the Lord, and which is not bad because other people get the good stuff, the sales. Anyway, I'm really getting the good stuff, but <laughs> moving on. I I had, I think, five or six, I can't remember exactly, um, it's like, it was really like my imagination, but it wasn't because I didn't know what was going to happen. And it was just like, I would just close my eyes and I would see something, not with my physical eyes, in my mind. I would have this daydream imagination, but it was like, I wasn't the one controlling it. God was. That's, that's the only way I can describe it. I don't want to call it a vision or a whatever, but that's, it was like an imagination that God was in control of because I, 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 I was just watching. I wasn't doing it. And every single time, it's, it, it makes me cry. Like, I'll be at work and I'll start crying because God knows exactly what turns, turns my lights on. He knows exactly what makes me come alive. And when I'm in this dry season of not getting to do a lot, not being happy with where I'm at, he knows exactly what makes me come alive. And he's so close. He loves me so much. He wants me to be hopeful and full of joy and peace. And he just gives me exactly what I need. He knows exactly what I need. I could never think of the stuff that he gives me. I could never, like I wish, but I could never ever be that creative and give me, like make me come alive in exactly the way that my heart beats. Like I, I, don't, I don't even understand that or know that, but he does. And he gives me these imaginations that literally make me come so alive and I'll just be crying because of how good he is. Those are my favorite, I think. I'm going to talk about John G. Lake. Okay. John G. Lake, he's a pretty serious dude. So I'm not going to read it to you. I was planning on reading it to you, but I'm not going to. This man, um, he was in South Africa, and a, like overnight this plague hit, and like one-fourth of the population, both white and black, like died in a, like a very short amount of time. It's like the whole section of their country. And he, he, as he would walk to his work, he would see this man under a tree praying, and he would sometimes, like, give him food, bring him food, and just kind of bless him on his way to work. And one day, the guy stopped John G. Lake, and he's like, man, I'm so close to a breakthrough. If you just get on your knees and pray with me, I think that we'll, I'm pretty sure that we'll overcome this thing. Because he's praying for, like, the plague to stop, because, like, hundreds and thousands of people were dying. And as they got down on their knees and prayed, it was like they got, it was like God lifted them out of their bodies, and they saw this huge demonic horde over over the tree that they were praying underneath. And and it was like they were they saw their bodies underneath the tree, but their spirits came back here and they rebuked the demonic horde and it was over and like literally all of them got healed and not one more person died after that moment. Because all of the power of darkness was defeated in that area. And it's just like that is such a good example of how the spirit realm is so much more I mean the physical realm is so inferior to the spirit realm. It's like everything that happens well, 
a lot of what happens, and the sovereignty of God is very real. He can do whatever he wants. But a lot of what happens in the world is because Christians partner with God and go into the spirit realm and, and do things in the spirit realm. That's why, like, binding and loosing prayer is so important and so powerful is because, like, you're doing things in the spirit realm, even though in your room you're just praying and not doing anything. But that has an, a direct effect on the physical realm. Does that make sense? So I just want to get you guys hungry. Let's do this thing. Let's get into his presence. I'll preach the rest in the parking lot. Just kidding. <laughs> I love it. Awesome job. Okay, so sometimes the spirit world breaks through the physical world. Can everybody agree with that idea? Okay. Um, the other day I was on Facebook scrolling through, and I saw this video, this poor girl. Um, she was in her room. She was in bed with the lights off. So for some reason there's a camera in there, and the lights come on, and she freaks out. She turns off the lights and goes back to bed. The lights come on in a different part of the room. It's crazy. It's video, and real things are happening in the room with nobody else there, lights on or lights off. Poor girl's terrified. So we've all heard stories about that, like the Remington house. Anybody heard of that, where the, the, the widow of the man who was Remington spent her life fortune building new rooms and doorways in her house because the demonic realm was terrifying her so much she was always trying to give them places to leave her alone, right? So we've grown up our whole life knowing stories about that, and we think, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's real. It's totally real. Is it that crazy for us to sometimes believe that the good side of the spirit realm can break through too? I know it sounds crazy, but it shouldn't be. Amen? So I've heard a story. Graham Cook tells a story of whenever he went through a really difficult time in his life. He's going through divorce. And uh, it was just the saddest time of his life. The Holy Spirit, he would go and spend time with God in, in, up in his upper room for hours and hours and hours, 12 hours a day kind of a thing. And the Holy Spirit would physically come in the room and hug his body so tight that he had bruises on his ribs. Physical bruises from an invisible Holy Spirit hugging him. What? Isn't that crazy? So the purpose today is to say, hey, sometimes the spirit world breaks through. But the primary thing is that the spirit world is the real world, okay? This physical world that we're in, it is a, a, a shell for eternity. Your spirit is the thing that lasts forever. Your body is this little vessel that holds your spirit until the day you die, and then your spirit will last forever. Amen? So let's look at some verses of Jesus talking about some of these, these things. John 14, um, verses 10 and 11. I'm just going to read through these. This is from the Kingdom Translation, which is one of my favorite translations. But you can follow along. This is John 14, 10 through 11. It says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Okay? So Jesus is telling his guys, I am in, currently I am in God. And God is currently in me. Well, the words of Jesus. Two places, one moment. Okay? Then he says, the words I'm speaking to you, I'm not speaking on my own initiative. It's the Father who lives within me. Again, the Father who's in heaven is in Jesus while he's there on the earth talking. It's the Father who lives within me who is doing his own works. You must trust me that I am in the Father. Currently, I am there and he is in me. If not, then trust because of all the things you've seen done. Okay? Let's go on to the next which is uh, John 14, 17, it says this. 
says the world can't receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. Okay? He lives with you and he will be in you. Verse 20 It says, on that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Okay? So now Jesus says, I'm in my Father, and you are inside of me, and I am inside of you. You look crazy, okay? Verse 23. If anyone loves me, Jesus replied, they will keep my word. My Father will love them. We will come to them, and we will make our home with them. Okay? So they are now coming to us and making their home inside of us, all right? It's a crazy concept. Can you remember what Jack said the other day? What was it? Oh, that's right. He was having a hard time. He was crying about something. We are going to school. I said, Jack, let's pray to Jesus. He goes, okay. I said, just repeat after me. I said, dear Lord Jesus in heaven. And he goes, wait, Jesus is in heaven? Jesus is in me. He's in my heart. How is he in heaven and in my heart, right? Are there two Jesuses, is what he said. Are there two Jesuses? Because he's in my heart. (laughs) I'm with him. Like, what? (laughs) Hold on. He's here. I'm there. I'm so confused, okay? Let's keep moving. Okay, John 15, 4. (laughs) Remain in me. I will remain in you. This is Jesus' desire for us, that we stay in him. We remain in constant contact with him. The branch can't bear fruit by itself, but only if it remains in the vine. In the same way, you can't bear fruit unless you remain in me. Okay? So he wants you to stay in him. Where's Jesus right now? In our hearts, I know. But where else is he? In heaven. Okay? Very good, everybody. Let's move on. John 17, 22. It says, I've given them the glory which you have given to me so that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, yes, they must be completely one so that the world may know that you sent me and that you loved me just as you loved, that you loved them just as you loved me. Father, I want the ones you've given me to be with me where I am. I want them to see my glory, the glory which you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Okay? So Jesus' desire is that we are with him and that we see the glory that God has given him. Everybody with me? That's not weird. That's the words of Jesus. The one who created the world with his voice, he said these things. This is truth. Amen? Okay. So Jesus was with the Father. The Father was with Jesus. He is in us, they are in us, their home is in us, but also our home is in them. We are on the earth in our body, which is a temporary vessel until we end up in eternity with our spirits. Our spirits are alive. Our spirits currently are also in Jesus. Where is he? In heaven. heaven. Ephesians chapter 2. Take a look. This is 1 through 22. I'm going to try to blaze through it. Just because it's all so good. So where do you come into it all? Well, you were dead because of your offenses and sins. That was the road you used to travel, keeping in step with this world's present age. In step two, with the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is. Even now at work among people whose lives consist of disobeying God. Actually, that's how all of us used to behave. Conditioned by physical desires. 
We used to do what our flesh and our minds were urging us to do. What was the result? We, were too, we too were subject to wrath in our natural state, just like everyone else. Okay, hit pause. Notice, he said the ruler of the power of the air. Who is that? The devil. Okay. Verse 4. But when it comes to mercy, God is rich. He had such great love for us that he took us at that very point where we were dead through our offenses and made us alive together with the king. Yes, you are saved by sheer grace. He raised us up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in King Jesus. Okay? So he raised us up. And he put us inside of him, and he took us, and he sat us with him on the throne in the heavenly places. Is that what it says? Okay. This was so that in the ages to come, he could show us just how unbelievably rich his grace is, the kindness he's shown us in King Jesus. How has this all come about? You have been saved by grace through faith. This doesn't happen on our own initiative. It's God's gift. It isn't on the basis of works, so no one's able to boast. This is the explanation. God has made us what we are. God has created us in King Jesus for the good works that he prepared ahead of time as the road we must travel. So then remember this. In human terms, that is in your flesh, you are Gentiles. You are the people whom the so-called circumcision refer to as the so-called uncircumcision circumcision. Of course, being something done by human hands to human flesh. Well, once upon a time, you were separated from the king. You were detached from the community of Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants and which contained the promise. There you were in the world with no hope and no God. But now in King Jesus, you have been brought near in the king's blood. Yes, you who used to be a long way away. He is our peace. You see? He has made the two to be one. He has pulled down the barrier, the dividing wall that turns us into enemies of each other. He's done this in his flesh by abolishing the law with its commands and instructions. To the point, all this was to create in him one new human being out of the two. So making peace. God was reconciling both of us to himself in one single body through the cross by killing the enmity in him. Almost done. So the Messiah came and gave the good news. Peace had come. Peace, that is, for those who were a long way away. And peace, too, for those who were close at hand. Through him, you see, we both have access to the Father in the one spirit. This is the result. You are no longer foreigners or strangers. No, you are fellow citizens with God's holy people. And you are members of God's household. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with King Jesus himself as a cornerstone. In him with the whole building is fitted together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You too are being built together in him into a place where God will live by the spirit. <sighs> Amen. You just had your daily Bible chapter reading. Check. Okay, so Jesus has created one body. So now instead of all being separate bodies, he's created us one body. So all of us together in the room today are one body. All of the saints who have gone before us and us together are now currently one body. All together in Jesus, who is currently seated where? In heaven on the throne. Everybody with me? 
We're moving along. We, we're trying to get where we're going. Okay. So, you're a first and foremost a spirit being, okay? Your body's a shell. You're primarily a spirit. Your spirit's going to last forever. The spirit realm is more real than anything we can see with our five senses. And throughout the whole Bible, you'll find evidence of the spirit realm being real. God is a spirit, okay? God is a spirit. God, when he speaks, he speaks to you through your through your spirit, okay? Satan is a spirit. All the demons of hell are angels that have fallen. They are spirit beings. When they speak to you, they speak to you through the spirit, okay? Your spirit is your connection from your flesh into his realm, okay? That's like the bridge. That's the point where it all comes together for you. So Ephesians 6, 12 through 13, it says, The warfare we're engaged in, you see, isn't against flesh and blood, it's against the leaders, against the authorities, against the powers that rule the world in this dark age. Against the wicked spiritual elements in the heavenly places. For this reason, you must take up God's complete armor. And then when wickedness grabs its moment, you'll be able to withstand, to do what needs to be done, and still to be on your feet when it's all over. Okay? So the spirit realm, it's real. That's where the real battle happens. That's where everything happens. So you are called to interact and fight against not just the flesh, but the spirit realm is what Ephesians 6 just told you. You are called by God. You are commanded by God to interact with the spirit realm and to fight against the dark side of the spirit realm. We won't talk about Star Wars right now. Hebrews 12 talks about this great cloud of witnesses and how we should press on toward the goal. When it's talking about this great cloud of witnesses, it is implying that they, the saints of old listed in Hebrews 11 and everybody that's gone before us, are currently, presently watching you. They're aware of who you are. They're aware of what your name is. They're aware of what your destiny is. They're aware of who your spirit is because we're all one body. And so they are currently watching you, cheering you on, rooting for you. Come on, you can make it. You can make it to the end. You can finish the race for God. You can do what you're called to do. You're, you can finish what you're created to do. They're rallying for you to rise up and to make it. Why? Because we've been made into one body. Every victory you achieve here on the earth is a victory for the whole cloud of witnesses in God. So they are invested in you making it and achieving what God's called you to do. All right? Sean Bolt, um, he is a guy that we like a lot, and he's kind of become quite famous recently for his connections and interactions with the spirit realm. And, again, there's, uh, there's TV shows about people who do this with the demonic side, right? But we still think, oh, my gosh, it's so weird. How is he doing this with, with the spirit stuff, right? Why are we okay with people doing it with the demonic, but we're not okay people doing it with the spirit? It's the same stuff. It's the same reality. So anyway, well, you know, good and bad, but spirit, come on. So Sean's become quite famous, and um, we, this last semester, we watched a lot of his training on entering into the prophetic realm. And we really appreciate him. We trust him a lot. Um, I want to show you guys a clip of one time when he's on stage and he's the Lord is showing him things and he interacts while he's on the video he's interacting with what he sees and hears in the spirit realm bringing it down to the earth 
and just think about what do you think the effect of, of this interaction between spirit and body, what do you think the effect was for the people that received it, okay? So they're going to turn off the lights. All right. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my gosh. So what's that? what do you think that did for the people who got to hear that message? I mean, it just, like, filled them with vision and purpose and encouragement and strength and able to run hard and make it to the end of the race, like the cloud of witnesses is cheering us on to do, right? It's powerful stuff. He's kind of gotten in some trouble because people hear him do these things, and they're like, necromancy. What are you doing, you diviner? It's a little crazy, right? But we are one body with a living realm that is cheering us on, encouraging us, right? When you look at what the Bible says, when you look at what Jesus talked about, all of this makes sense. And it's a realm that is open to every believer to enter into. And what he has is a special gift to, to be able to do that. But that gift is available for those who press in and pound on the gates and enter in and try to engage with these things, okay? So now here's what I want us to pay attention to today. There's a place in the spirit realm of, of connecting with God and being intimate with him where it's not just the spirit breaking into the earth, but where your spirit currently today can go into the heavenly realms, okay? And that's what we want to focus on. That's, that's the point of today. So if the spirit realm is so real, and if Jesus is in us here on the earth, but we are also in Jesus, seated with him in the heavenly places, and if he wants us to abide with him and to remain with him, and if he wants us to see him in his glory, doesn't it make sense that he's inviting you in the spirit realm to be with him in the spirit realm to see his glory? Okay? So I'm talking about you learning to utilize your spirit man to go into the realms of heaven while your body is on the earth. <laughs> okay. And again, I know some of this is really challenging. And if it is challenging, just put it on the shelf and say, God, if that's for me, talk to me about it later on down the road. Okay. But if it's for you today, then grab onto it. Um, so how do we do it? Let's just get into it quite practically. How do you get into it? I learned from... Uh, um, a guy that we listened to that talked a lot about it, and some of the stuff he talked about had no biblical backing, and it seemed like, sounds right, but there's no, like, scriptures to really pound it in, but then the more I read the scriptures, the more I would see little uh, veils being opened, where I would read a verse that I'd read a thousand times before, and then realize, oh my gosh, that's talking about the spirit realm, <gasps> what, and then, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try I'm going to just see what happens. I might be bonkers. I may be completely nuts. And if I tell anybody, which I definitely won't ever tell anybody, then they're going to think I'm crazy and insane. But I'm going to try because I believe it's real and I believe it's beneficial. Okay? So I, I started trying. And here's how I do it, um, just based on what I learned from this other person I learned from. Um, Jesus is the door. It says Jesus is the gate to heaven. Right? And so if Jesus is the gate to the heavenly realms, then let's go in through Jesus. Okay, 
So for me personally, if I want to spend time with the Lord, and let me just preface, I don't do this every single day. I don't do this all the time. I don't even do it every single week. But at times, I'm drawn into this place, or at times I feel encouraged to go for it and try. And so I'll hit pause on what I'm doing, and I'll specifically sit down to try to enter into the spirit realm and allow the Lord to encourage me. So I'll close my eyes. I'll sit in my car and turn up the music, kind of get somewhere where I can be by myself, where nobody's going to bother me. Because I still think it's really weird, and if people see me, I don't know. So anyway, I close my eyes, and I envision, okay, your brain is this helpful tool for your spirit to connect with God, okay? So the spirit realm is where it all connects with you, so your imagination is this tool to help process what in the world are you seeing or hearing or thinking, okay? So your imagination can be a greatly helpful tool when connecting with the Lord. So I'll close my eyes. I will envision Jesus, I will envision the door, okay? And I'll envision an actual door. And I'll just say, God, please, I'll do the things McCoby talked about earlier. I'll come into his presence. I'll say, Father, I would really like to see something in the spirit realm. I would really like to hear something in the spirit realm. Would you show me something today in the spirit realm? And I'll envision this door, kind of in space. I don't know where. <laughs> and... Uh, and then I push the door open or I slide it open and I envision myself walking into that realm. Sometimes somebody will be there to greet me. Sometimes it'll be in a field. Sometimes the next thing I see is a mountain range. Sometimes it's a city. Sometimes it's a street with gold. Sometimes there's somebody there to greet me. And they're like, hey. And I'm like, hey, who are you? And... Uh, Sometimes it's an angel, sometimes Jesus, sometimes the Father, sometimes the Holy Spirit. Sometimes different, it's different all the time, okay? But I would just follow along. It's like when we're worshiping and we worship, and I encourage you guys, hey, when we worship, just follow the Holy Spirit. Let him lead you. So if he tells you to get down on your knees and you don't know why, just do it. Just get down on your knees, follow him, take the next step, and he'll take you somewhere in your worship experience. Same thing in the heavenly realms. So I close my eyes, I go in, and whatever I see next, which is generally extremely foggy, <laughs> I, go, I see just the tiniest bits. It's not like super detailed. You see like glimpses, if you will. It's kind of like it's like biblical. See something like through a foggy glass. I don't know. So um, I, I, I see somebody, and then I just kind of go with it. And I, sometimes we just walk around and have fun. Sometimes somebody's talking to me, telling me things. Sometimes somebody's praying for me. It's, it's different all the time. But I can tell you this. When I've taken the time to stop everything and to try to press into the spirit realm, I have had the most incredible experiences, and I, I come back. The result inside of me is that I am full of the Lord. I am encouraged. No matter how hard life seems to be that day, I am encouraged that there is vision for my life. There is purpose for my life. I'm on the earth for a purpose, and I can keep on moving forward and keep going forward. And oftentimes, when I've had experiences there, I'll come back with clear direction of place, like things that are supposed to change in my life that I'm supposed to do this now, okay? So I want to tell you about a couple of the things. Um, one of them was... We had a miscarriage several years ago. Um, I don't know how many years ago, four years ago. And uh, Rachel was halfway along in the labor delivery process, and we lost our little dude, his pregnancy. It's kind of the same thing, right? So, um, <laughs> yes, and she wasn't full term. She was like 17 weeks, okay? Um, <laughs> I see what you're saying now. 
Got it. Okay, so halfway through, we lost our little dude. It was a boy. His name was Kingston, which means Kingstown. Okay, Kingston Sparrow was his name because the Lord's eye is always on the sparrow. And so um, we lost him, and it was incredibly painful and sad and difficult. The biggest thing for me, you guys heard me talk about this a lot, but was just the, um, I grieved most that I wasn't ever going to be able to teach him about God and about how good the Lord was, like I did with my other kids, and that made me so sad. And I had this thought of, even though I don't get to teach him about the Lord now, it's like God himself and the angels teaching him about this realm, even though that's reality, when I see him face to face, in person, in heaven, I still want to make him proud as his daddy, based on how I lived here on the earth, okay? So I was really motivated and challenged by that thought. So... I'm, one day, I'm really grieving a lot. I'm so sad about that thought, and I'm just crying and crying and crying, and the Lord calls me in. He says, come on, just sit down. Let's, let's talk together. So I close my eyes. I go hide in the parking lot somewhere in my car, and I say, God, please show me something. Talk to me. And so I enter in through the door, and all of a sudden, um, I'm there with the Father, and there is Kingston in his arms, this sweet, cute little baby. It looks just like our kids, Right? And the Lord, in the spirit realm, introduces me to my son. And we have this moment where we're able to bond and connect, and I can tell him how much I love him and how much I care for him and, and how I want to make him proud as his daddy while I'm here on the earth. And I can't wait to be there with him in person. And we have this whole uh, moment. It was unbelievably powerful. But what it did in my heart is it sealed a whole lot of bleeding, bloody wounds that I wasn't sure how I was going to get past. And it let me know everything's okay, right? Everything's okay. He's with the Father. He's in a good place. He knows I love him. He knows I care for him. He knows I'm working hard to make him proud, right? And so um, that was one tiny piece of it. But coming out of that is, is Bethel OKC. Coming out of it is the Lord changing direction of my life and launching me into more of what we're called to do and called to be, right? Another um, situation is maybe a year ago, um, I went into the spirit realm and um, it's just kind of on a whim for no purpose, no reason. I just said, Lord, I want to see something. Would you show me something? And I go in, I, I see the door, I go through the door. And I'm in a city, which I hadn't really seen before. And the streets are gold, just gorgeous gold. It's, it's bustling. It's like a city, tons of people everywhere. And there's buildings and skyscrapers. And it's, it's like New York City. It's so busy. And as I walk in, Jesus is there to greet me. And he's like, hey, I can't wait to take you somewhere today. I say, okay, great, cool. Where in the world are we going? And I noticed this building out of the corner of my eye. It's this skyscraper that's like 100 stories tall. It's the tallest thing out there. And it's huge, and it's gorgeous, and it's shining, and it's bright. And Jesus takes me by the hand, and we walk through the city, and we're greeting people, and everybody's smiling at me. And it's like everybody knows who I am, which is weird. I'm like, <laughs> like it's just weird. Why do they know who I am? And they're like excited to see me, and they're like, oh, how are you? So we go to this big skyscraper, and we walk in, and it's like this beautiful lobby that's super tall and just gorgeous, and there's all these people. And as soon as we walk through the doors, everybody turns and, like, pays attention, and they're like, hey, Grant, how are you? And they're like, they know who I am, and it's like I'm important or something. And I'm like, this is so weird. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. But he just takes me by the hand, and he leads me to the elevators. We go up the elevators, 
and uh, we go to the very top floor and we go, the elevator's open and we walk in and it's like Jesus is taking me to my workplace. It's like, it was like, we're going to go do some work. Let's go. And so he takes me to this office and he says, this is your office. And again, when you open the doors, it's like everybody knows you and there's important things going on. So he shows me my office, if you will. And then he says, let's go to the boardroom. Let's go, let's go have a, a meeting. And we go into this boardroom. It's gorgeous. And you can see for miles and miles and miles. And we sit down. And I don't know what we discussed, but we talk about business. And we talk about kingdom business and great things happening on the earth, you know. And there's more to it. But basically, I come back and just feel this. Um, anointing and this mantle and this encouragement to run after those things and to feel like it's okay to focus on these things as well as church or family or, or these other things, you know. So um, I've got a bunch more I could share and, I, and I've heard a whole bunch more that I could share as well. But the primary purpose of today is I want you guys to, one, realize the spirit realm is super real, more real than what you can feel with your five senses, Two, to know that Jesus wants to abide with you. You are in Jesus, in the heavenly places. He wants you to remain in him in that place, right? And he invites you in to see his glory, okay? And it's not bad for you to do that. <laughs> it's a place he invites you in. And if you will try to enter into that place, I believe you will be extremely encouraged and edified and challenged and you will be catapulted out to become all that you're called to be. And in that place, he can heal you like he can't heal you any other place. In that place, he can challenge you and encourage you like no other place that you've been to. It's a powerful, powerful place that I want to challenge you guys to, to try to go after. Okay. Um, let me think if there's anything else important that I really want to share with you. I think too, as you learn to become more confident in that realm, the Lord will use that realm to do spiritual work on the earth. Okay? So kind of like what we saw with Sean Bolt, kind of like what Makobe talked about with John G. Lake and the, the tree. Uh, I've heard a lot of stories of people where revival was taking place and they're preaching the gospel and nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. They pray, they enter into the spirit realm, they ask the Lord to open their eyes and they can see what's happening in the spirit realm. They take their authority in the spirit realm, they bind it and all of a sudden it becomes like a screen protecting, like the enemy can't come past this invisible screen in the atmosphere and the next day revival breaks loose on the earth with real people, real humans who are heart beating today, right? It, it's, it's something that we're called into. It's something that most believers never get to, but it's a shame that that's the reality. And I, I want to challenge you guys to be okay pressing into that place. How do you know if what you're seeing or feeling or hearing or thinking is totally nuts or if it's something that you should kind of be okay with and believe? Great question, okay? Number one, is it biblically based? Does it support what the Bible tells us about who God is, his character, okay? Is it glorifying God? Is it glorifying Jesus? Is it glorifying the Holy Spirit? Or is it glorifying you or glorifying other people, right? Just 
Is it biblically based? Pay attention to the Holy Spirit. He is your guide. He is the one when you don't understand. Jesus told his disciples, when you don't understand and you have questions and you don't know what to do next, the Holy Spirit is the one who will show you. So get to know the Holy Spirit and ask him, um, I just had this super weird thing happen. Is that okay? Is that weird? What do you think about that? And let the peace of the Holy Spirit lead you into understanding. Amen? And then also, if you're unsure, and you're like, okay, I think it's biblical. I think the Holy Spirit's down, but I'm just a little, like, still a little, I don't know. Talk to believers who know the Bible, who know God, and it can help process what you're thinking and feeling. Okay? And keep you grounded where you're supposed to be. Amen? I think I'm done. I just wanted to say really quick, because I know this is a question that I had, which is necromancy. Okay, so in Deuteronomy, the Bible says necromancy is like witchcraft. It's an abomination to God. So necromancy is the practice of talking to the dead. So when we see psychics or people like that on TV that are talking to your dead family members, they're doing something that is illegal in God's eyes, right? And so when we look at, well, when he's talking about having an encounter and he's talking to someone who's no longer here, like our son or whatnot, it's like, well, how does that work? Because God said that this is wrong. But the difference is whether you are pursuing that conversation or Jesus is bringing that conversation to you. And I just thought this was a really helpful thing to tie into what he was saying. Because we want you guys to have your own experiences with the Holy Spirit. It is how you heal up into everything you're called to be. I don't think you can become everything you're called to be without having interaction with God that stretches you. It doesn't have to look exactly like these stories, but it needs to stretch you. That's just how we grow. So the difference for me has been, did Jesus introduce me to this person or was Jesus there when this happened or not? Because otherwise Jesus is the gate, right? And if you look at it in a very biblical standpoint on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus had a conversation as a human person with Moses and Elijah. And Peter, James, and John were there with him. So whenever we're like, wait, what? This can't be right. Actually, it is like there in the text that it really did happen. And Peter actually interacted with them too because he was saying, let's build tents, right? If you guys are familiar with that story. So um, to me, that's one of the most helpful things. And the other thing I wanted to say is, you know, hearing a story, I know some of you guys have had situations where you have loved ones that have passed away or whatnot. And there's a place of like, I want to have an experience like that to bring resolve for myself. And I remember like yesterday, the day that Grant told me he had had this encounter where God had let him meet our son. And I was so mad. I could have like smothered him in his sleep because <laughs> I was like, I probably shouldn't say that, but I was just like, God, why would you let him do that and not me? And it was, it broke my heart to be totally honest. And he hadn't, he was like, had been three months before that. And he just hadn't thought to tell me about it. And so that was also a not so pleasant moment. And, um, and so as I was processing with the Lord, I found myself saying, God, I want that same experience, but at the same time, I'm so mad that I have to like work through my own feelings of just being offended that you would give it to him first and not me. And you know, just all of those things that we, that some of you guys may think if you have a mind like mine. And, it, and so what I ended up having to do, because otherwise we can lean that way of that necromancy thing, which God says is wrong, is where we can say, I want to do this, and so I'm going to make this happen. Because honestly, you can, because it's in the Bible, you can open doors that are illegal, and then you open up other doors that are you don't want to do, because you're going to end up in a bad place. And so for me, it was like, God, I just want to, I want whatever you think I need. 
right? Because so we go back to, we trust you, Lord. And so whatever you think I need for healing and whatever you're thinking, okay, I want to have an encounter like this or whatnot. You just submit that to the Lord and say, God, whatever you think I need, I want to be open to that. And then he will do it. And it was like six or seven months later that God came and had allowed me to have an encounter that was completely different than his, but was really incredible. And I can share that with you later. Um, and it was really healing for my heart, but it was totally unlike what I would have wanted it to be in the timing and in everything. You know, I was like, you know, us ladies sometimes just need things done right now. Uh, and God doesn't always feel that way. So does that make sense? So I just wanted to balance that a little bit for you guys, because this is something that for both of us has been so tremendously healing, but it's also so weird and so crazy, but it's very biblical. So if you have questions, please feel free to ask. And um, if regarding the spirit realm, I'll just throw it out there because it popped in my mind. I visited one of my clients last week and um, dropped off a gift and, and she mentioned that they thought their house was haunted. I was like, oh, you know what to do, right? So, and she actually did. She just had forgot and she'd done it before. And I was like, girl, <laughs> come on. But I just want to say, if you ever have experiences in the spirit realm or with spirit things and, and it's you don't know what to do or you have questions or, or it's scary or anything, talk to us. You have tremendous authority over the demonic realm. They love to mess with you. They have no authority to. So just put on the brakes, kick them out. No big deal. Okay. I just want to encourage you. If that's ever happened to you or, you know, come talk to us. Okay. Let me pray for you guys. Let's stand up together. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you that we get to be with you in the heavenly places even right now. What a privilege. We thank you for that. God, I'm asking that you would deposit the truth into everybody's hearts. Anything I've said that is not of you, completely remove it. Wipe it from our memories and from our thoughts. Let us hold on to the truth of what you're calling us into and the things that you've said and the things that you have for us. God, I'm asking that everybody's walk with you would come alive in a fresh way that they would begin to press into the spirit realm even more and have their own encounters that encourage them and challenge them and call them to rise up to be all that they're called to be. And we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We love you guys. Have an awesome week. See you later. Goodbye.